Podcast City Network. A Forbidden Love, a new romance novel written by Stephen Anthony Bartlett. Available now on Amazon.com. A tale of a humble farmer who falls in love with a gypsy princess. Their lives are changed forever. Find it now on Amazon.com in both Kindle and paperback format. This is Jim, the podcast Sherpa from Too Many Podcasts, and you've got a ringside seat to the Mark the Shark MMA show. Let's get ready to podcast! Hi everyone, I am your host, Mark the Shark Retorto, and welcome to the Mark the Shark MMA show, where every week we talk about the wonderful sport of MMA. To me, we will review the most recent and upcoming events in MMA news. In each episode, the format may be changed, but you will always be entertained. There will be special interviews with special guests, along with special insights on the sport from our guest host. Also, check out our Facebook page for news and updates on future episodes. Also, we appreciate donations from our listeners to keep our podcast up and running. You can make a donation by clicking on the Click the Support button found at anchor.fm slash Mark the Shark MMA Show. And that's Mark spelled with a C and not a K. We are also looking for guests who want to be on the show and sponsors who want to advertise their product and brand on the show. For more information, contact me on the Mark the Shark MMA Show Facebook page. Page. Also, for a plug-in, if you're looking for a good action thriller suspense novel, check out a book called The Cabal, The Saga Begins. You can find it on both Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. It is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobooks format on Amazon.com. In paperback version only on BarnesandNoble.com. And the hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. For a good book for your kid to read, check out I Am a Survivor or Invisible Girl, written by a little 11-year-old girl by the name of Christina Retorta. She has her books in Kindle and audiobook format and paperback format on Amazon.com and paperback format on both Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And a hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. Okay, everyone, keep on listening. We'll be back shortly after this break. Hi everyone out there, I just want to make an announcement that both me and my daughter have new books out there on the market, available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, as well as our website, RetortoFamilyBooks.com. My book is called Mark is the Vampire, it's a brand new fantasy vampire novel, and my daughter's book is called A Little Bit Louder, it's the second book in her Invisible Girl series. Check it out, again, it's either it's available at either RetortoFamilyBooks.com, Amazon.com, or barnesandnoble.com. Follow the channel. And if you have an Amazon uh, Prime account, you can subscribe for free. And before we get started with today's show, I want to uh, give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Today's uh, particular episode is sponsored by the Hens of Gracie Academy of Northern Valley. Uh, if you use the promo code Mark the Shark MMA Show, you can get a free week of training 
You can call them. The number is 201-344-2052. And then we're also sponsored by our Retorto Family Books. Uh, we go out there. You can check out the books that I've written, including Marcus the Vampire and The Cabal, the, the Saga Begins, and also my daughter's book. She's got a brand new book out there called A Little Bit Louder. It's the second book in her series called The Invisible Girl Series. And last but not least, we're also sponsored today by Audible. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash show, you will get a free audio book when you sign up for a 30-day trial. You can even pick up my uh, audio version book of my book called The Gabala Saga Begins or my daughter's book, The Invisible Girl. All right, guys. Now, today's episode is going to be about a particular uh, jiu-jitsu instructor that I know personally. And I've been lucky to find a what, what I like to call the gem of jiu-jitsu. Everybody talks about the blue basement at the Henzo Gracie Academy in New York City. They may talk about the Academy with Marcelo Garcia or even Team Altos in California. But today I want to talk about a gentleman. His name is Carl Massaro. He's the head instructor and owner of the Henzo Gracie Academy of Northern Valley. Today, here he is. How are you doing today, Professor? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. Yep, so we're live now, and I wanted you to have give uh, people out there listening and watching the show a little background on yourself. Like, how, how did you get into the martial arts? Uh, I started Taekwondo when I was about 19 years old in the early 90s, okay. and uh, I've always wanted to do it since I was a kid, and I just never got to do it as a kid. So after high school, I decided to do it, and I jumped into it. Um, and did that for many years until jiu-jitsu came along. But, um, yeah, martial arts martial arts have always interested me since I've been a kid. Okay. Is there any particular reason how uh, how you got interested? Was it Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris? <laughs> I love Chuck Norris. I guess as a kid I always watched the Octagon and, you know, um, all the Chuck Norris movies. I love Bruce Lee. Ninja movies were big, you know. I was yeah, yeah, I remember age, those, right? in the 80s. It was all about ninjas, um, Black Belt Magazine. So interestingly enough, I was introduced to judo at eight years old. But as an eight-year-old, I was like, ah, there are no punches and kicks. I don't want to do this. Looking back, I wish I had stuck with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I got into Taekwondo, stuck with it. About 97, I got my Black Belt, um, which at which time I was already doing jiu-jitsu. I was um, a blue belt in jiu-jitsu by then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, how did you find out about jiu-jitsu? Did you watch it on uh, pay-per-view event on like, the first UFC, or did you get involved beforehand? Yeah, no, I, I watched the first UFC, and I remember watching it. I didn't watch it live. I watched it like – I remember hearing about it the next day at my Taekwondo school. And I was training Taekwondo. I think I was already uh, – probably a green belt. This is 93. Okay. And everyone's talking about this thing that was on pay-per-view, the UFC, and they're like, some Brazilian street wrestler won the whole thing. We're like, Brazilian street wrestler? What are you talking about? Was there punching and kicking? And then 
people started talking about Hoist Gracie. And I wound up watching it and I was like, what the heck is going on here? This is not the way we learn how to fight. This is not what we're learning. And uh, yeah, after that, I, I just, I kept watching the UFCs and I met a friend of mine. My friend Guy was uh, training um, with someone who was under uh, Hoyler Gracie. It was uh, David Ideen okay. and Alex Wilkie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you I know them, right? Yeah, so Alex, <laughs> David ID, Guy, Guy Valella, was the, they were the first guys. We're talking like 94. Like they were yeah. really starting jiu-jitsu. And, uh, you know, back if you don't know anything, as you know, somebody knows side control, mount, back, and basic armbar choke, like they're going to dominate you. And I remember rolling. I think at the time I rolled, I was probably green or blue or red belt in Taekwondo. And I remember rolling with these guys and just feeling helpless. And I was like, this is unbelievable i have to learn how to do this and i'm sure you felt the same thing the best oh, yeah, yeah. point for jiu-jitsu is feeling it and yeah. uh, since then I, I i you know i started training i was taking the trip down to uh, central jersey but it was a little bit too much a trip and then i went to uh, henzo's in like 97 98 and just stuck with it just jumped into jiu-jitsu 100 percent now i also know you had you've done um several mma fights what made you decide to get into MMA? Like, were were you like like a purple belt, brown belt? Did you just want to test yourself? Like, what made you decide to go into MMA? Especially back then, there was like zero money in it. You yeah, know? It no money. I think uh, <laughs> the most I won was eight hundred dollars for a, a, an eight man tournament. Um, yeah, back then it was. I remember um, Dan Marigliata had uh, Bama, Bayside Academy yep. of Martial Arts, and yep. they had a lot of the shoot fighting, which was open hand to the face, grappling on the ground, yeah. knees, kicks. And since I already had a striking background, and at the time, in 97, I think right before I went to Henzo's, I had my first shoot fight. And I won. Okay. Um, and then after that, I, I did a few more shoot fights. I did uh, seven shoot fights, and I won all seven. And then Dan Morigliata had a 205-pound men under, 205-pound and under eight-man tournament. It was MMA, and I signed up mm -hmm. for that, and I won it. Um, but what got me into it? What what interested me? There, were, you know, as you know, back then you were around. Then there, there weren't a lot of tournaments. It was the only place you could test yeah. yourself. I think Grappler's Quest might have just been starting. Yeah, so yeah. there was there was really it was like really the, the old days. Like it was like the wild west of uh, jiu-jitsu yeah. and, and MMA. But I remember wanting to test myself, and uh, yeah, I was happy I did it. Yeah, I, re I remember those Bama fights. I, I think, when did you do it? Like around 2000? Because I think that's when I probably moved up. Because I used to watch a couple of them. Yeah. Like around 97, 98. Yeah. I did my first in 97. And the card I fought on, uh, Matt and Nick Sarah, were purple belts. I remember I was a blue belt. I didn't know that. Oh, so I actually watched you then. Yeah, 97 <laughs> to like 99, 2000 were all shoot fights. And uh, I, yeah. I was fortunate enough to win them all using jiu-jitsu uh, with a little bit of striking. But um, yeah, by 2000, I think that's when uh, Big Dan had that 205-pound uh, that, uh, and under eight-man tournament. And a friend mm -hmm. of mine uh, convinced me. He's like, man, you should, you should really go in there. I'm like, really? You think so? He's like, he's like do it. He's like, you're going to win. He's like, because at the time I was, I was a decent blue belt at Henzo's, but, but you remember then, like at Henzo's, the level of jujitsu was top in the country, except for, yeah, you know, there yeah. was West coast and there was East coast. 
And that's those were pretty much the hubs of jujitsu. And um, anyone training at Henzel's at the time, like, had such a massive advantage over a lot of the people yeah, that weren't yeah. training under a legitimate instructor. Um, there were legitimate instructors, obviously. You had David Adiv, uh, Alex Wilkie. So there were some jujitsu guys. But, um, yeah, and Henzo's, I, I, I didn't fight any of those guys. I made sure I didn't fight my old teammates. But, uh, you know, it, it it was just a totally different experience. Now, so you were a, a blue belt when you... Yeah, so in 2000, I'm a blue belt. Big Dan opens that uh, eight-man tournament. I enter. Uh, I was 178, and it was 205 okay. and under. This is before the days of weight cutting. This is one that you, you used to fight several times in one night. And the way yeah. he did the tournament, yeah, the way he did the tournament was you fought one time, I think it was in September, and then if you won that, you'd fight two times, two times in December if you won the whole thing. So it was two times in one night. So September I won. I broke my leg in the fight, but don't know how. It wasn't anything um, that would prevent me from finishing the fight, so I finished the fight. I won. And my leg healed. I came back a couple months later, and I had two more fights that night, and I won the whole thing. But, yeah, that was pretty much the introduction to it for me. Okay. And then at what point did you decide to become a jiu-jitsu instructor? Well, um, I was kind of like teaching privates around, you know, I got my brown belt in 2005. So before okay. that, you know, I was teaching some people and I was teaching privates at karate schools and, and teaching little classes, jiu-jitsu karate schools. When jiu-jitsu was, if you were a brown belt in 2005, there, there, wasn't, there weren't too many other brown belts around or black belts. Um, so I would teach on the side for, for income and, and um, teach privates. But I, after I, I went back to college, I finished college and I was either going to get into like museum curatorship like because i collect antique weapons and arms or oh. teach jiu-jitsu yeah so i i decided you know what i'm already got the qualifications for jiu-jitsu the the chances of making a good living are there and i it's something i would have enjoyed so uh you know with henzo's blessing i opened the school in 2008 as a black belt and uh you know we've been open ever since okay now <clears throat> i have to ask this question because you train with henzo and you train with probably one of the best coaches, not just in jiu-jitsu, but in MMA, John Danaher. Yeah. How is it training with those guys? I mean, well, like. Yeah, I, I mean, in the old days, Hanzo, when I first got to Hanzo's, John Danaher was a blue belt. And so was I. And John and I became wow. pretty good friends. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he. he surpassed everybody uh he, i think him and sean williams got their black belts around 2001 i got my black belt in 2007. um john was pretty much considered an instructor there by the time he's purple belt um he was always innovative but training under hanzo was very interesting in the old days i remember behind gracie used to come in all the killers from gracie baja used to visit and so we had a a, a good influx of talent coming from brazil and even japan I don't know if you remember TK Kosaka. He used to come oh, okay. to Hanzo's. Yeah. So I, I rolled a lot with Hanzo, and that was always great because Hanzo would roll with the students. Um, it was always a good team. It was always a good group of guys. And um, I think it was probably around 2005 when I was a brown belt. But John was already starting to develop like a killer team. He had some black belts that were very, very good. And from about brown belt on, I think – 
Penzo was teaching a little bit less, and, and I was mostly making the day. I, I was mostly training with John um, okay. in his day class in Brown Belt Ron. But they're, you know, I can't say enough good things about their instruction, Penzo and John. And what makes John tick? I mean, how did, I mean, his creativity is like off the charts. They got his leg lock DVD, uh, the one that you're in before they redid it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I still have the one with you in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just look at it, and it's like a totally different system. It's like learning another martial art that those, those leg entanglements just bizarre. Yeah, and yeah. When, when you know when you first see them, if you're an old school guy like me, they're they're somewhat new. All these leg rides and entanglements and inversions, but just like anything, just like judo, just like wrestling, anything that's got a a combative outlet, like a realistic outlet, will evolve over time. In my opinion, the martial arts that do not have that um, live outlet tend to devolve over time. Um, but John has always been very intelligent and you know i happen to say he's one of the smartest guys i know um we've always discussed ideas but you know it was always interesting to watch john come up with things um he yeah. would study video he reverse engineered a lot of um judo olympic throws and takedowns and started incorporating it and he used to teach quite literally I think before his knee and hip were bad, were bad, he used to teach like seven or eight privates a day. Mm -hmm. And then if he's not teaching privates, he was on YouTube, even back then when he had YouTube where he's watching instructionals. Um, so his intelligence combined with his education, you know, he's, he's a very smart guy. He, he's got a very clear um, critical thinking pattern. I think it was just the right guy in the right place with the, the right amount of input and, and knowledge and, he created it all from scratch. Yeah, it's it's very remarkable, and I think I see a little bit of the way he, not necessarily the way he thinks, but his understanding and a little bit of you. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw my comment. I've seen your YouTube channel, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I see your commentary when you're rolling with the students, and it's it's very uh, the way you comment on the way your interactions are during the role I find pretty sophisticated. Thank you. Um, which Thank which I attribute, um, I guess, to your training with Henzo and John, because you yeah. seem to have a very deeper understanding of the uh, the techniques. Now, do you find that when you started to teach, that actually helped you make it make you a better jujitsu practitioner? Hundred percent, and this is why I like all of our. You know, purple belt, brown belt on, you should be teaching a little bit. Even if, even if you're not teaching a class, you should be helping out white belts, should be helping out blue belts, passing on the knowledge. Henzo used to say it. If you don't teach, you will forget the moves. So by mm -hmm. teaching, you're, you're systematically teaching yourself why the moves work. And you might not even have thought about it. You might have been like, oh, I didn't know I knew that. So you're starting to explain the concepts to yourself. And every time you teach, you're going through a movement pattern. You're understanding the movement pattern. So I, I firmly believe that by the time you're black belt, you should know how to teach. Um, and I believe that teaching absolutely makes you a lot better. It, you've seen it in, the, in the, um, the people who assist in our classes, like even the kids' classes. They assist. Yep. They're just going over fundamentals, a lot of the fund solid fundamentals with the kids. But after months, their jujitsu gets up because they're understanding the concepts and explaining them. So I really believe that uh, teaching is crucial by the time you're purple brown belt up. Yeah. Now, 
how do you find like when because I know occasionally you roll with the current that squad members mm-hmm. and so forth, like Gordon Ryan, Gary Tonin, and occasionally I guess you roll with Jake Shields, he drops by. How how does it feel to roll around with those guys, those world class athletes? They're killers. I mean, you know, there's and all of those guys are literally among the best in the world. Um, they all have phenomenal games, very modern games. And the beauty is that I, I you know, I got the feel. I've been there before anyone knew who they were, and you get to see their games evolve. You get to feel their games evolve. Um, we're talking about a dedicated group of guys, especially in like the likes of like Gordon, Nikki, Gary. All, all like the, the the core members that they're there like twice a day, six seven days a week, dedicated hours and hours and hours. And it's just if you've ever read any a book like the Talent Code or Talent is Overrated, they're pretty much doing what they talk about. They're just putting in time, 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 re- repetition. Um, so yeah, these these guys are absolutely the real deal, as you can imagine. And, and rolling with them is always fun. It's always a learning experience, you know. No matter what happens, getting smashed, you know, felt like you did good. No matter what, um, it, it's definitely an experience. Okay. Now, how did you get to train with George St. Pierre? I, I got to notice. Like, how did you get the opportunity to go there and become a part of his training team during um, his prime? Yeah, I was fortunate. George started coming to Henzo's probably in early 2000, but I didn't really meet him or – like he would come infrequently. Um, and then by the time he was a purple belt, I remember seeing him there and he was already kind of known, like he was starting up his career. He was already in the UFC. And this is, I think we're talking maybe 2005, 2004. Um, at the time we were similar in weight. I was probably about 178. George was probably 183, 185. And, uh, we used to train together and we were both purple belts and we just hit it off. Um, by the time, 2011 came around. I think he was fighting Jay Shields. I already mm-hmm. had a pretty good relationship with George, and you know, I was uh, under John and Henzo, and uh, myself and my friend Mark Cerrone, and you know, a couple other guys that were up there at Henzo's. John has great instructors there, and great people like Brian Glick, and that George always trained with. Uh, I think at the time I started helping with the Shields camp around 2011. I came up a little bit and helped him with that. But it wasn't until the Carlos Condit camp. Carlos, mm-hmm. When George Fort Carlos Condit, it, I think that was 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. John kind of said, look, we, we got to get on this. This is this is a tough opponent. And he assembled a crew. It was myself. It was like Harry St. Ledger, who's uh, he's now at Jackson's. But he's a black belt in judo, good black belt in jiu-jitsu. At the time, he was a purple belt. Myself, my friend Mark. And John assembled the crew, and we were able to make it up there every week um, and help George train and be part of the camp. We'd be there for his jiu-jitsu classes. And it just seemed something that it worked. Um, John and, and Faraz believe very much in volume, 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 and, and very smart training, not, not just killing yourself for no reason. Um, and we would follow a method, and we'd listen to what John said. And then, since that was successful, every camp after we'd been up, um, you know, it was Nick Diaz, Johnny Hendricks, um, obviously Bisping. So we were up for all the camps, and, and I consider myself very fortunate to have been there and, and helped out with that. How is it rolling with him? George? George is very good. He, 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 well, first of all, you'll say he's, he's a legit black belt. He's a very good black belt. Uh, he can train Gi and Nogi, and obviously he almost exclusively, 
exclusively focuses on me um, because of uh, where his career was. But George is very explosive. Um, he's just naturally always been that way. He's strong and, and he's he's technical. He's a guy you can't really sweep. It's very hard to sweep. Very hard to stand up on. Obviously, uh, he controls the action. But um, yeah, he, and even now he's starting to get a, like a really good leg lock game. George is. George is a pleasure to roll with and train with. Him and I always have hard rolls because we've been training for, I don't know, you know, 15 years together. Uh, we always we always have good rolls together. We have a lot of fun. A lot of competitive rolls, or yeah, we're, we're George and I are usually competitive to some degree uh, when we roll in, in intensity. We can, we flow roll too, but but we know each other's games and, and sometimes we turn it up on each other. And it's fun. He, he's he's a great yeah. guy. Um, but George can do either. He can he can go light too. He's a really great training partner. Yeah, he's got to be probably one of the most athletic guys you ever met, right? He, he's I would ridiculously think so. athletic. Yeah, I remember I even saw his twenty three and Me uh, DNA profile, and it said that like on there it says you possess the DNA profile or muscle profile of very high powered athletes. Like it actually said that. He showed it to me. I was like, well, that makes sense. Like he's just got the genetics for someone who who has very is uh, explosive power, so he's definitely a freak. He's got a long reach, his work ethic, um, his positive mindset, and obviously his athleticism. But you know, John Danaher has pointed this out. He's not the most athletic guy that ever went in the UFC. There there, there are some freaks in MMA. Um, George is he is a very good athlete, but a lot of it was his system, uh, his shoot box system that he developed. Obviously, his working with John, uh, working with the crew, working with Faraz. Faraz is underrated. He's amazing. Um, he just had everything at the right place. Interesting. Yeah. Now, who's your uh, – out of the guys out there now that are fighting, let's say, the UFC, like who's your favorite MMA fighter? Well, I, oh, George was my favorite for a while. And uh, believe it or not, I've always been a Nick Diaz fan. Uh, I've always liked uh, – you know, uh, Diaz and Shields and them. But I, I had to help George for Diaz. But but I like Diaz. I've always liked his style. Um, Damian Maya I've always liked because he has a very good system for jiu-jitsu. He, even though I don't know if he's retired now, if he's still fighting. But, uh, but yeah, Damian Maya has always impressed me and George. Um, but, yeah, there's the, the talent. Just like I said earlier with jiu-jitsu, it's getting better and better. And uh, MMA has got some incredible talent in it. UFC and in other venues as well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, in terms of like watching an MMA fight, do you prefer to see fights and in, in submission, being that you're a jiu-jitsu guy, or do you prefer guys that can mix it up with the strikes and the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu? Well, to be a modern mixed martial artist, you better be pretty darn good at the major areas of MMA, which would be obviously a uh, free movement striking phase and, and shooting, uh, clinch phase, fence wrestling, and, and ground grappling. And um, I, I do like guys who can mix it up, but obviously, you know, with my jiu-jitsu background, I, I love to see grappling. I love to see jiu-jitsu. I think that it, it could be one of the safest ways to win a fight if you, if you have a good system in place. Uh, I've always been disappointed when I saw fighters with who had the advantage on the ground who decided not to go on the ground because maybe they had a striking coach that 
talked them into striking. And I, mm-hmm. when they lose under circumstances like that, I get disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I've always, I've always uh, had a, a favor for grapplers, obviously. <laughs> I, I find myself that same way. I prefer to see a fight end in submission. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's face it, MMA, you have to be an educated fan to, to fully appreciate what's going on. And um, I've always said it's like it's like being a, a musician or a conductor. And if you listen to an orchestra and you're you're that trained, you're going to hear things that maybe the layman, the layperson doesn't hear. Um, I think it's the same with MMA. Most fans are very educated now. You know, in the early days, nobody was. They used to scream all sorts of things at the TV or, or tell them to stand <laughs> up. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's very interesting to see how the how the sport has evolved. That's what I would say. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Now, I got one more question for you. Are sure. you watching? You watching tonight's fight? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, now, who who do you think is going to win between John Jones and Dominic Reyes? Hard to say. I don't like to call fights because I think there are so many variables that I wouldn't want to be a matchmaker. I wouldn't want to be an odds maker. But uh, Jones is tough dude, man. I don't know. I don't yeah. want to call it. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I yeah. Would always, I would usually give it a little advantage to Jones. If he's on, he's on. He's very difficult to deal with. Yeah, he's one of those uh, people what I call athletic freaks. You oh, know, yeah. like he he advanced. So, he yeah, going back to gen- he, yeah, genetics. Even his siblings are professional athletes. You know. Yeah. Like his brother is like a professional football player. Like he's just yeah yeah. yeah. And he's obviously yeah. a very intelligent man. Like he's very creative, and he's he's really unbelievable fighter. Yeah. yeah, it should be a good fight, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Who else is on the card? I, didn't even, I know Caitlin, my friend Caitlin's fighting uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Yes, yes. I was actually watching the countdown. I don't, yeah. She's actually I, fighting for a belt, I believe. She's what? She's fighting for the belt. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I've worked with Caitlin before in the past. Like, she's working with John now. Um, uh, yeah. Mark Henry and the, and the crew. She's very, very talented. But, uh, it's gonna be. It's, it's a hard fight. Like Valentina is obviously yeah. champion for a reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like watching the UFC countdown. And I'm like, oh, because to be honest, I'd never heard of her. And Caitlin. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've never, I never heard of her. I heard of the obviously the champ and so forth. Yeah. And um, I guess she must have been fighting on a lot of a uh, lot of the prelims. I tend to miss the prelims. She was. And I was watching her. Like, oh, she's training in Denver now. So yeah. it's pretty impressive. She she started with my friend Jamal Patterson, who's a Henzo black belt, and um, yeah, you know she she's training in the city now. I, I've worked with her a lot in you know uh, in the past. Uh, obviously, Mark Henry, Carter Almeida, like she's got a really good crew of people around her. Uh, her boyfriend is like an Olympic alternate wrestler, like very high. Oh really? Yeah, I knew he didn't have Yeah, and 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 he's and he's and he's good at jujitsu too. Uh, so she's got a good crew of people around her. John's been working with her for several months now. Um, she's not to be underrated. She's got very, very good uh, jiu-jitsu, extremely good. Super, I think she's still a brown belt. Um, but great wrestling, great striking, good work ethic. But, you know, all that being said, she's, she's got a very tough opponent tonight. Yeah, yeah. That, that, 
she's probably one of the best, like not just for female. I think like like Joe Logan says, I think she's probably one of the best fighters out there. She's very really, well rounded. That's hard for me too, because you know, I'm friends with Caitlin, but you know, I've always been a Valentina Shevchenko fan. I, I really think she's very, very well rounded, very uh, skilled in like her judo, her striking, her submission game. Um but you know, it's it's always tough to watch when your your friends are fighting. You know, I, I I'm yeah. obviously uh, always worried, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm very excited to watch tonight. Do you think she's going to take it to the ground, or I don't know. I haven't discussed the game plan with them. Um, <laughs> even if I did, you know, I couldn't say. Try it. to get some insider tips so I could call the book and make a place. I, um, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, because I, I think that's where, personally, the advantage lies. I, I think mm. Caitlin's very good at everything, but she, to mm. me, her jiu-jitsu really stands out. If, if she really pushes her jiu-jitsu, I really think she can really... She, oh, there's always a chance if she gets around your back or gets on top that she can control the fight and finish easily. Mm. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you. I appreciate having you on the show, um, Professor. You. Yep. Again, everybody, check out his academy, Hezu Gracie Academy of Northern Valley, New Jersey, located in North Valley, New Jersey. And if you guys are watching this in podcast form, keep listening because there's more content to follow. If you guys are watching it live on Twitch, show's over. See you next week. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Thanks for having me. See you in class. It's a pleasure. Take care. Hey, what's up, world? This is Will, and you are about to listen to the Mark the Shark MMA show. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, we're back on the show. And in this segment, I'm going to be giving my two cents. This is a part of the show where... I give my two cents as to what's going on in the uh, MMA world in terms of rumors and news. This week I like to talk about uh, Diego Sanchez. He's getting a lot of grief over what happened with his fight with Michael Piera um, a few weeks ago in his last fight on ESPN, UFC Fight Night. Um, Basically what happened was the guy landed an illegal knee to his head. And then, you know, he was dazed and confused, and everybody's jumping on him because he asked the question, if if I uh, say I can't continue, do I still win? Um, for those who watched the fight, the referee never gave him an answer. And everybody's, like, harping on this guy, trying to question his heart as to whether or not he took the easy way out. Um, on this one, I have to agree with Ariel a little bit. Maybe the people who were pissed off were the ones who bet on the other guy to win the fight. But it, to me, it also seems that there might be other people uh, complaining because in my opinion, they don't know what's going on. They've never fought before a day in their lives and it's easier for them to sit back on their couch and make a judgment call. Um, <laughs> which is typical of the case, you know, with any other sport, you know, whether it's football or baseball, people will make a comment as to a bad player or not. But you can't judge a man unless you're in his shoes. And if else you've been in an MMA fight, you can't really judge. And in this case, it was an illegal knee. 
he was dazed and it was obviously he was dazed and hurt and in my opinion the referee shouldn't even give him the question it should have been just a simple disqualification and that's it uh, let me know what you think leave me a message if you happen to have the anchor app you can leave me a message or you can just contact me on Facebook look for my Facebook page at Mark the Shark MMA Show and that's Mark with a C and not a K alright guys well, we'll be back after a short break Hey fans, here at Podcast City Network, we have a lot of great shows on all of our great social media outlets, podcastcity.net. Facebook.com slash Podcast City Network. Hit that thumbs up. You can send a tweet to Podcast City Network on Twitter at Podcast City Net. Only on Podcast City Network. Marcus Sander was a normal family man. He was captured by the Nazis, imprisoned in torture. His only means of survival was to become a vampire. Now his only fear is how to keep his daughter safe. But not only from the Nazis, but from the creatures of the Dark World. Marcus the Vampire, the first book in the Dark World Chronicle series. Now available at www.retortofamilybooks.com and on Amazon.com. Get it now. This is to all you parents out there. Are you looking for a great book for your child to read? Well, look no further. Christina Retorto has done it again by putting out a sequel to her first book in the Invisible Girl series. The sequel is called A Little Bit Louder. Get it now at Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or RetortoFamilyBooks.com. Again, the book is called A Little Bit Louder, written by Christina Retorto. This is a coupon queen pen from the CQP Moments podcast, and you're listening to Mark the Shark MMA Show. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built. Used by all jiu-jitsu and MMA athletes to prevent skin infections. Save 15% with the code MarkTheSharkMMAShow. This episode is also brought to you by Audible. You will get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day trial. Are you a fan of the Mark the Shark MMA show? Are you looking for some swag? Check us out on the web at www.marktheSharkMMAshow.com where we sell t-shirts, hoodies, crop tops, hats, beanie hats, anything you want. Check it out. Are you also looking to become a guest on the show and be interviewed by me, Mark the Shark Retorto? Well, go to the website and sign up as a guest. Are you looking to become a sponsor? Go to the website. Sign up. Take advantage of the wild range growth of the sport of MMA and be have your business and service advertised to millions of listeners that listen to this podcast every week worldwide from everywhere. Check it out. www.marktheshark.mmashow.com.
Angelica from A Little Bit of Everything with Me podcast, and you're listening to Mark the Shark MMA Show. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate to his podcast for more amazing episodes. guys we're at the end of our show this is mark retorto i'm signing off and don't forget to follow us on our facebook page it's called the mark the shark mma show and it's mark with a c not a k and also feel free to leave us messages by using the anchor app and also don't forget if you look in the mood for a good action thriller book to buy my book called the cabal the saga begins it's available on amazon and barnesandnoble.com and if you need a good book for your kid Get the I Am Survivor book or Invisible Girl book written by my daughter, Christina Retorto, also available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show and continue to listen to our shows every week. Thank you.